It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Might the BYU football program's woes running the football right now be overblown? If history is to be believed, it very well might be the case. I will explain on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, for any of you who might be checking us out for the very first time, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And a huge thank you to all of you for your subscribing to the show, rating, reviewing, liking, enabling notifications, doing all the things that help this podcast grow and appreciate all of your patronage uh, of the podcast. All right. I said I was going to explain why the output of BYU's run game right now offensively is not necessarily as concerning as you might believe it to be. And let me acknowledge right up front, this is not coming from me. Uh, It's something that I have been shown the light is probably the easiest way to say this. Uh, A very keen listener of ours, Louis Doe, and I appreciate Louis reaching out because he reached out out of the blue. And Louis and I had no previous interaction before this, but he reached out with one of the more detailed emails I have ever, and I mean ever gotten in my media career from somebody that knows far more about uh, this certain topic than I do. And it is Deep, it is, uh, it's incredible, frankly, uh, what Lewis uh, broke down. And he, he reached out and said, Jake, I enjoy your show. I love hands on the broadcast, too. I keep hearing a lot of panic over BYU's rushing game. Not that there isn't some reason to be concerned. However, I think the attached analytics report on BYU's modern era rushing history is or should be a real eye-opener for you and, of course, fans. Uh, he has a bunch of points here. I'm going to dig into those, but I'm going to throw this up on YouTube. If you listen to this in the regular podcast uh, format, I would encourage you to get over to YouTube in this certain circumstance to see the breakdown here from Lewis. It, it, it's phenomenal. I, I, I was floored at the research that Lewis did. So let's start off by uh, the first point. Uh, he's, he says, BYU's been winning games at a better than 2-1 to one rate since 1972, whereas before Lavelle Edwards, they averaged less than one, uh, one in every three wins for the first 50 seasons. They, they lost three to every one that they won. That's what I'm trying to say. In the last 51 and changed seasons, including the first two games of this year, BYU has only averaged 3.97 yards per carry net of sacks. Now, sacks obviously are a separate deal. In 27 full seasons, as he notes, BYU has averaged less than four yards per carry the entire year. He says that BYU has only averaged north of five yards per carry in five seasons since 1972, and of the of uh, and of those, three were in the past three seasons. I will scroll down on this document so you guys can see the, t- the last three years in particular for BYU. So there you go, uh, uh, right there. So uh, you see that. 5.5 in 2020, 5.1 in 2021, 5.2 in 2022. The last three are five of the seasons that Lewis uh, notes have been north of five yards per carry for BYU offensively. 
He also adds this. The reason uh, for that is BYU since 1974, when Lavelle Edwards really started installing the newly devised West Coast offense, obviously uh, he, Don Coriel, and Bill Walsh all had uh, designs of it. Coriel taught Edwards that if you're going to pass the ball under the new extended palm rule, which is established in 1972 as a first down measure, that you need to teach offensive linemen to pass block first, or you can never use the pass to establish the run, which is obviously many of you who have been around for a long time know that the Lavelle Edwards era offense offenses were all about passing to set up the run. It was it was a pass first offense and that's kind of more of what I BYU's morphed into under uh Aaron Roderick says, I have been watching and at times covering BYU for over 40 years now. He's been a member of the Football Writers Association of America, which I am also a member of since 1972. He says, BYU's best rushing years prior to 2020 included the 1983 Steve Young team and the uh, 2001 Luke Staley Brandon Doman team. Other than those years, BYU won a lot of games throwing the ball to establish the run under that West Coast offense. Uh, He also adds this. I'm going to get to this point. Uh, He's got a bunch of great points in here. The point of this charge is that the correlation between yards per carry has been best in the funk years. I don't really count Grimes last year as more than an anomaly because BYU played no power fives and Funk's four additions still uh, he said uh, and and the four additions of Grimes still surrendered 40 uh, sorry, man I'm screwing this up the the Grimes additions of offensive line play surrendered 99 sacks in four seasons he says Funk's offensive lines have been number one in PFF's pass protection for a reason and it shows Funk is back to the Don Coriel push to perfect pass blocking skills first while letting them zone block early on they didn't start running with great authority at last year until around the fifth game or so and you started to see Funk introduce that line to more technically difficult but far more powerful trap and pulling lineman plays and he's not wrong about this. I can I say I can say that with authority because I watched it with my own eyes. That's when you saw guys at like Christopher Brooks begin to hit on bigger plays. The same thing happened with Tyler Algier in his two seasons and with Jamal Williams, Curtis Brown, etc. Even as you go back to Harvey Unga and Fui Vakapuna. All those guys tended to start their seasons slow. So as he's mentioned, one more thing. One more thing that's not showing up in the stats, player cohesion. Yes, this line is one of the more experienced individually in all of the NCAA this year. They have individual talent, as he notes, but they're also in a new system with a new coach outside of Connor Payne, Kingsley Suamata'ida, and getting them to learn both a new system and in some ways unlearn old systems and habits is a part of how the transfer portal bug affects offensive line play. He also mentions that Baylor's suffering from the same thing with the Barringtons having joined that football program. He then does say this, my one concern is still and has been uh, for seasons is the A-Rod, speaking of Aaron Roddick's, tendency to rush against stacked boxes and worse, into the short side boundaries. I and other analysts are often wondering what he is seeing because the numbers are not good when you add more defenders, more bodies, and squeeze squeeze them into a smaller box and then trying to find holes there. It's bad analytics and it's the, rise, it's the reason why BYU has failed so often on third and fourth downs and short yardage to go in the last year. He says that I do agree with uh, Hands and Trevor Match. I'm reading a lot of this from this email, so I apologize. But let me finish this by saying this. There's a lot more I could dig into, but I'm going to spare you some of the some of the uh, more detailed stuff in here. He says, I do agree with Hands and Trevor Manage for the most part, but the sky is not falling yet. He says, please see the attachment and feel free to use the graphic in your podcast if you like. Uh, Lewis, this is absolutely incredible. So let's scroll up here and look at this for a second. 
Uh, you look at this, and this starts in 1972, this graphic, and it has all of the seasons, it has notable facts, it has the win and loss percentage overall for BYU since Lavelle Edwards took over as BYU's head coach in 1972. As he points out, the very first year, 1972, BYU averaged 4.4 4 yards per carry, and Pete Van Valkenburg was a consensus All-American that year. Then, since then, you look at this, 5.5 yards per carry under Steve Young with quarterback when they went 11-1. He also mentioned in 1984, BYU's 4.1 one yards per carry with a running back by committee. He says five different players contributed that year. When you get to the Luke Staley and Brandon Doman year in 2001, they averaged 5.6 yards per carry, which is the best in terms of overall yards per carry in the entire run for BYU over these past 50-plus years. As he also mentions, the Robert Knight era, which a lot of people probably think is uh, one of the better running eras for BYU in some people's minds, 4.4 yards uh, beginning in 2005, and it hovered around that four-yard per carry mark throughout his entire run there. He also mentions that during the Jeff Grimes era, 4.2 yards per carry, as well as uh, 4.1, 4.5, and then finally the last three years, you jump up into the fives, 5.5, 5.1, 5.2, and then this year through two games, you're averaging just two yards per carry. There is something here, folks, to be said for this. Because remember, I remember last year early on in the season, Lewis and others, I'm sure, were watching this and wondering what in the world is BYU doing out there? They, they, they just could not run the football. Remember, uh, Christopher Brooks was, was supposed to come in and light the world on fire. He had a pretty good debut against uh, South Florida. We all knew that South Florida was not necessarily the same type of competition that BYU was going to face the rest of the season. And when they got against better competition in the weeks following that, remember, Christopher Brooks was written off, ah, he can't do it, guys, he's not good enough. That guy's on an active NFL, NFL roster right now. Tells you he's got some talent. Uh, I, 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 I would say that's got, that's guy that's got some talent. I'm gonna, I, man. I don't know that I, 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 I can say that Lewis is wrong about this. The history indicates that BYU traditionally has not been the strongest running team, but as we all know, since Lavelle Edwards took over, as he points out, they have averaged roughly. Two wins to every one loss. They have won 66.7% of their games in that run. It's absolutely, uh, there's a correlation here. So I'm very interested to see how this bears out. And he also, as you mentioned, uh, Jeff Grimes, his era begins, and BYU surrendered 99 sacks in those four seasons. He says that the uh, Daryl Funk, he has Dave Funk here, says the Dave Funk era begins. O-line has surrendered just 28 sacks in 27 games, including the first two this year. They have given up just north of one sack per game. There is a point to be made here, and maybe, just maybe, we have overreacted to such a degree, and we all need just to calm down. Now, let's also acknowledge the fact that BYU has played their two so-called cupcake games this season, and the level of difficulty gets ratcheted up about a gazillion percent when you take on Arkansas this Saturday down there in Fayetteville. It's going to require a much better effort from BYU. And tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Connor Pay, our weekly guest, uh, BYU Football with Connor Pay, every Wednesday here on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to getting his evaluation of where the struggles lie for BYU offensively. But if history is any indicator of future future success or future patterns, uh, maybe BYU's just getting started, folks, and maybe they're going to pick it up down the stretch here. And if that run game comes around and that passing game that showed as well as it did uh, Keaton Slovis, one of the top 10 quarterbacks uh, by Pro Football Focus this week for his performance against Southern Utah. Now, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback he just so happened to be facing this week, was the number one quarterback on that list, but that's an aside. But it, like I said, if history is to be believed, looking back 50-plus years of data, uh, the whole David Fizzle, take that for data. Like, 
Lewis did a deep dive here, folks, and it sure looks like yours truly, including a myriad of us listening to this podcast and beyond, may have overreacted just a little bit too much uh, to some of the stuff going on with BYU football right now. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see if BYU can uh, hold up to this trend and really uh, kind of resurrect their run game as the season progresses here, or will Lewis's numbers and the history for BYU football be uh, borne out to be wrong? It's going to be an interesting uh, science, but man, I got a hard time thinking that 50 years of evidence uh, is wrong, but crazy, crazy scenes, and Lewis, man... uh, you're you're a savant. Uh, I I say that it, uh, in the with the utmost respect. Absolutely incredible stuff, and cannot thank you enough uh, for taking the time uh, to join us here on the podcast and helping us out. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we are going to talk about a break for BYU when it comes to this matchup with Arkansas, and that is one Raheem Rocket Sanders will not be playing against BYU. How big of an impact can his uh, not playing against BYU uh, help the Cougars, hurt the Cougars? We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Real quick word on our friends over at Game Time. Of course, all of us want to go out to the events that we're all interested in when it comes to... I got my phone buzzing here. I apologize if you're picking that up on the podcast podcast. Uh, but it, we all want to go uh, to the biggest events out there, whether it's a theater, sporting events, uh, concerts, comedy, no matter what you're looking for, game time is the place to go, my friends. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. They want to help you guys take the stress out of it and get ready and get hyped for the fun you're going to have at that event. The best part is they have flash deals and last minute tickets available for all kinds of events in your area. Images of seat view so you know exactly what to expect when you get to the venue that you're going to. They have lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection, even job loss protection built in all on a convenient app. Get images of the seat before you buy so that way you know exactly where the view is going to look like and the tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email to look those up. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time, my friends. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply once again, but create an account, use the, redeem that code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off right now. Download Game Time in the app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a home for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got many uh, communities, home designs, and price points all designed to meet your needs, my friends. The best part is they got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. And the best part is they have over 50 unique home designs from, Ramb- from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes. And I also forgot to mention, they also have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. So check it out, my my friends, they even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to move right away. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhood neighborhoods and get started today. That's PerryHomesUtah.com. That's P-E-R-R-Y, by the way, PerryHomesUtah.com. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day. Thank you for being everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you're having a fantastic day, night, morning, whatever you're looking for when it comes uh, to BYU football. Appreciate your guys' patronage of the show. I want to encourage you, if you've not done so already, on Fridays, we have a new show on the Locked On College channel across all the Locked On uh, College channels. It's called Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Every Friday morning from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Like I said, it's available on all YouTube channels on the Locked On College channel, uh, and you can check it out right here on Locked On Cougars every Friday morning if you're jonesing for some bigger picture stuff when it comes 
comes to college football. All right, let's dive right in and talk a little bit about what's going on with the game for BYU against Arkansas this week. It's a huge game, uh, no doubt about it. It's a big opportunity for uh, BYU to go down to Fayetteville. And uh, let's just put it this way. I was just talking about the fact that maybe the history should indicate we should uh, temper our uh, hot takes about BYU's offensive line and the run game woes. Well, you could really reignite a lot of BYU fans' belief in this football program by going to Arkansas and winning that game. Now, it's much easier said than done. Let me be very clear about that. But one big break that BYU is lucky enough to have is the fact that they are going to have Rocket Raheem, a.k.a. Rocket Sanders, not playing in this game. Now, you may be wondering, who in the world is Rocket Sanders? Well, if any of you watched that Arkansas game last year, there was this running back who looked like a man amongst boys, was making BYU look absolutely silly as he rumbled his wave to 175 yards in that absolutely embarrassing loss for BYU at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That man is Raheem, a.k.a. Rocket Sanders. He is a future NFL stud in my mind at running back. He's got the body, the speed, the strength. He's got the entire package as a running back. He is not available this week. He is dealing with an injury that, as their head coach, uh, speaking of, uh, of man, uh, uh, Pitt, uh, Pitt, who am I thinking of? Uh, their head coach. All of a sudden, it's on the tip of my tongue. I apologize. Uh Oh my gosh, I'm just screwing this up all over the place. Sam Pittman, there we go. I had to look that up. I apologize. But Sam Pittman uh, said that he is going to be out this week against BYU. That's going to put a lot more pressure on KJ Jefferson, obviously, uh, to lead Arkansas to a win. And much like BYU, uh, they have struggled running the football, speaking of Arkansas in their own right. Uh, is it because uh, they have not necessarily been as engaged because they've played uh, two pretty lesser than programs in their own right to start the season? I don't know. But it is a massive break for BYU not to have to face Rocket Sanders. He is one of my favorite. Like my, I have like these personal favorite guys that I love just watching play football, and Rocket Sanders is one of them. He is an absolutely incredible player, and I absolutely love watching him do his thing on the football field. It's unfortunate uh, for me, just as a football lover, not to see him out there playing against BYU, but it is a massive boon to BYU's chances not to have him in this game. And I'm not saying that uh, they're a one-man uh, wonder at running back for the Razorbacks. This is an SEC program. Sam Pittman has done a very good job uh, recruiting talent to that program, so they will have other running backs who will step into the void, but not having your best running back is an absolute boon to BYU's Chances They are a 10.5-point uh, underdog, according to our friends over at FanDuel. So BYU is a double-digit dog in this game, and I'm not surprised by that in the least. If, if you're surprised by it, I'm, I'm interested to hear your logic on that. But if you want to go down and quote-unquote reignite BYU's fan, BYU fans' belief in you as a football program, if you want to quote-unquote shock the world by uh, representing the Big 12 and getting a, an SEC uh, uh, victory for the Big 12 Conference in Fayetteville, well, having the opportunity to not face the best running back on the roster is going to give BYU an extra opportunity, albeit K.J. Jefferson is going to be just, I guess, an absolute uh, beast for BYU to try and stop. Everybody watched that game remember last year. There's that one play. Tyler Batty hits him high, and somehow he gets out of that play, an absolutely incredible play. They should have sacked him like two or three times on that individual play, and K.J. Jefferson gets out of it. He is a, a, a machine. He's 250 pounds, built like a brick house, and BYU is going to be hard-pressed to slow him down. But I, I'm looking forward to the challenge of this game. Like I said, I, I'm not necessarily 
too keen on saying, this is my upset special of the week. BYU's going to go in there and beat Arkansas. I'm not saying that, but I'm I'm feeling better about BYU's chances because of Rocket Sanders not playing in this game. We'll continue to break it down. I'm looking forward to hopefully catching up with John Neighbors, who is the host of Locked On Razorbacks uh, right here on the Locked On College channel. Hoping to catch up with him later this week and uh, talk about the impact of not having Rocket Sanders from his perspective. But it just feels like there is a much better opportunity for BYU to go out there and grind out a victory if you don't have Rocket Sanders out there and the threat of him running all over you for a second straight year than if he were out there and you absolutely had a game plan for that. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how BYU adapts to it. I'm also, let me add one other thing about, about this. BYU's defense under Jay Hill is going to infinitely uh, scheme better and uh, just uh, more uh, cohesively than they have in the past couple of years. And I, I don't mean to keep casting shade on guys like Eliza Tuiaki and Ed Lamb from last year, but they try to reinvent the wheel seemingly weekly with that defense. Jay Hill's whole thing is we are going to tweak things week to week. We are not going to make wholesale changes on the defense like happened previously. That is going to lend itself, in my mind, to a better defensive product against Arkansas than anything that we've seen uh, from last year. Is it going to be a winning formula? TBD. Uh, There is still multiple days until we kick off that game uh, between the Razorbacks and the Cougars, but I I believe there will be a better defensive effort and a defensive game plan for BYU going into this game than there was last year when BYU took on the Razorbacks, and by all accounts, that game was the straw that broke the camel's back for BYU's previous defensive staff. There's the report out there, I have it on very good authority, that Elisa Tuiaki did essentially tender his resignation after that game, and uh, obviously Kalani stepped in, speaking of Kalani Sitake, to lead the defense the rest of the year with Elisa still carrying the title. But uh, the thing is, you got to be better. And obviously, this is a road game. Changes the whole uh, calculus in that in that side of things as well because you are headed to a hostile territory, the first road trip of the year. Very interested to see how it goes, but I just I've got I've got a little more faith in BYU's opportunity to go down there and get a win over Arkansas right now than I did yesterday, and we'll see if it, if it pays off. But I'm expecting a better effort from BYU this year, top to bottom, offense, defense, special teams across the board. They will play better against Arkansas. Now, could I be proven wrong in that? Yes, but it's hard to think that they could play any worse than they did a year ago, especially on defense when you got carved up to the tune of nearly 700 yards they scored on eight or nine straight possessions could have made it uh, maybe 10 in a row had they not taken that knee uh down the stretch crazy crazy scenes last year at at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and uh, it'd be nothing better by the way for BYU than to go into Fayetteville and get that revenge game go out there and stick it to the Razorbacks and say all right you took one from us on our home turf. We're taking one from you guys, and we're going to fly back to Utah with that win. be really, really fun to see BYU do that, but uh, we'll see ultimately what transpires on Saturday night. All right, uh, enough of my diatribe. We'll talk a little bit more about some other BYU topics at hand as well as some notes on the BYU depth chart that we got on Monday, uh, the third depth chart of the year. We'll talk about all that as we continue on right here. Unlocked on Cougars. Now, a quick word on our friends over at FanDuel. We talked about them earlier. BYU a 10.5-point dog. If you want to take advantage of that opportunity to go and uh, bet on the Cougars, get started with our friends at FanDuel. You also can get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from our friends at FanDuel, which is America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed, plus 
All customers who bet the $5 also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It's like 300 bucks, folks, back right into your pocket. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. You can bet on BYU against Arkansas. You can do whatever you're... Uh, heart desires. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL and obviously the college season with an offer you don't want to miss. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hoping to have a fantastic Tuesday whenever you hear this. I hope you guys are all doing well out there. All right, a couple of notes uh, from BYU's dev chart yesterday that came out. Uh, I think we may not be getting the changes that some of us uh, think that uh, may be needed along the offensive front because the dev chart this week for BYU has no more ors on the offensive line. They have, as the starting left tackle, Kingsley Suomatia, the starting left guard, Waylon Lapuaho, the starting center, Paul Miley, the starting right guard, Connor Pay and the starting right tackle as Caleb Etienne. In previous, the past two uh, podcasts, uh, not past two podcasts, the past two depth charts uh, that came out, BYU had placed oars amongst uh, uh, Paul Miley and Connor Pay at both the center and right guard positions. There was an oar between Ian Fitzgerald and Waylon Lapuaho at left guard. Uh, we had an oar at one point between uh, Caleb Etienne and Braden Kime. All those are gone. That indicates to me that BYU believes in the unit they have right now. Now, could that be foolhardy? Could that be foolish? Could that be their hubris coming back that could bite them in the you-know-what? It could. But it appears that BYU is set to move forward with that unit at offensive line going into this Arkansas game. I'm interested to hear, like I said, Connor Pay's thoughts on this. Uh, We will have him on the podcast, obviously, and we'll get his thoughts on what he would like to see from BYU's offensive line and how he believes they can best improve, and especially when it comes to the rushing attack. Uh, The other thing about this is BYU got rid of their nickelback designation. It's kind of just a minor note on the depth chart. Uh, It had been where uh, Eddie Heckard had been listed as BYU's nickelback or their nickel corner. Uh, they've taken that away. They now have three cornerback uh, positions on the uh, depth chart. Uh, those starters, obviously, the regulars. Eddie Hecker, Jacob Robinson, and Camden Garrett, who, by the way, have turned into quite the trio. You cannot tell me that they have not been lights out as a trio of cornerbacks. They've been very, very good. Very impressed with them and looking forward uh, to seeing how the matchup goes down. Other thing that came out yesterday is Sam, uh, Sam Pittman. He says, quote, anybody who's undefeated, including us, they're hard to beat. They haven't learned how to lose yet in that season. That's a group of guys that's played together that haven't been beaten. They don't know how to lose. I think the tape, to be perfectly honest with you, they play extremely hard. They do. They did last year. I think they're a better football team than they were last year, unquote. Now, I will say this about BYU against Arkansas a year ago. The defense, it gave up. It, it, it quit in that game. I don't think I'm breaking any confidences. I haven't really talked to anybody who told me that. I just, with my own eyeballs, that defense was just, uh, they were they were SOL. They just, they just gave it up. The offense in that game, though, actually had its moments. That's the thing about this is BYU, I think we, the, the narrative of that Arkansas game 
is that the defense was so thoroughly dominated and trounced and just run down that we forget that early in that game, BYU held leads in that contest. Was it 21-7 to at one point BYU was leading? Now, obviously, the defense failed the offense in that circumstance, but BYU's offense was up to the task in this game. If Keaton Slovis is anything like Jaron Hall and BYU expects him to be, BYU should be able to move the football on the Arkansas Razorbacks. And that's why I think why Coach Pittman is pointing out that he's he, BYU played hard last year. They, they did. I think he's referencing more the offense than the defense. But nonetheless, I'm looking forward to this matchup. And I, I think it's a curious one, obviously, because Arkansas are hardly world beaters, but they are still an SEC program. They have got loads of talent in that football program. But the, the thing is, BYU loves environments like this. Remember this. Under Kalani Satake, they have gone to Wisconsin and won. They've gone to Knoxville and won. They've gone to USC. And they, have, they go into these big, raucous road environments, and BYU just like takes on this whole new thing. Like, yeah, we got this. Just, just rain it down on us. We'll soak it all in, and we'll use it as motivation. There's there's some there's some interesting storylines going into this one, and I, I'm interested to see how it plays out the rest of the week and obviously uh, what we hear uh, in terms of the other media availabilities, one coming up later this evening with BYU's defensive coaches and players. Tomorrow will be offensive coaches and players. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, those players have. We'll obviously, we'll have some one-on-ones with you guys this week on the podcast. Uh, apologies for the lack of those last week, but uh, as I noted, I was dealing with a, with a head cold and obviously could not get out of BYU. Didn't want to pass along uh, my germs uh, to the BYU football program, but uh, we will be back out there uh, later this afternoon slash evening, uh, depending on when you watch and or listen to this, but looking forward to being back out there and, like I said, trying to glean whatever information we possibly can. We'll be sure to pass it along to you guys. So uh, that's it for uh, Tuesday. Kind of a, a crazy show. I didn't anticipate it going the way it went, honestly. I got that email from Lewis and said, you know what? We're throwing up. I had a nice little rundown kind of right up. I literally was just like, we're tearing all that up. We're talking about this very thing. We dug right into it. And like I said, if history is any indicator of future, BYU, we may have just been a little bit too hasty in terms of our evaluation of BYU's offensive woes, especially in the rushing department early on this season. We'll see. We'll see if it all bears out the way that Lewis indicates it might, uh, just based on history. But thank you to all of you for making Lockdown Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers, as always, right here on the podcast. And until tomorrow, as we talk BYU football with Connor Pay, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Lockdown Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.